재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Here on Koreascape, we want to know what is on the minds of real people living in Korea today. Our guests today are Jim Bully and Joanne Jung. They're here to bring us the hottest issues buzzing on the web throughout the week. Welcome to the studio. Oh, good good morning. morning, Lisa. A lot cooler last night and this oh, morning, huh? definitely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It's the first time where I walked out of my building and I did not break into a sweat. Yeah, right. I, I walked to the good. subway today. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just, just for the sake of, you know, feeling the air on my skin. And I didn't turn on the air conditioner last night. Which and it was, didn't feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, I did, but. Sure. <laughs> but you're a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, there are actually some really hot issues, uh, starting with. This big issue was just unavoidable. Um, Yes, the ruling, what's been dubbed as South Korea's first high-profile Me Too Mm -hmm. trial, the ruling was made this past week. Some people are happy, some people are not. It's in the news. Right. It seems like everyone's pretty much divided, especially the women's equalization groups versus, you know, uh, supporters. Uh, Your thoughts on this, Jim? Well, I think let's let's describe exactly what the case is sure. first, just in case anyone's been under a rock for the last for six last months. six months. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is this is the the the, the actual case was Anti Jung, the former South Chungcheong Province Governor, mm-hmm. versus Kim Ji Eun, his former, former secretary. secretary. Right. Yeah. And his secretary, basically, when we say secretary, it's not the kind of secretary that's sitting in the office taking notes, but uh, for these political figures, they, they pretty much shadow them everywhere yeah, they go. Yeah, personal aid. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, personal aid or personal assistant is probably the more equivalent mm-hmm. And so they're always job. with them by their side, almost 24-7, and if they go abroad, they also accompany them, yes? Yeah. Yeah, so what happened was she gave a, a televised interview mm-hmm. um, um, saying that she was sexually assaulted multiple times over an eight-month period. Um, following that interview... Um, Um, the the former governor's office said no, you know the act did happen, but it was consensual. Um, he took to social media and said, "Okay, I apologize. Right. I'm just going to remove myself from this post and no more political activities." This was a very very big issue because I'm sure a lot of you know that he was a presidential hopeful. A big <laughs> presidential yeah. hopeful. Not only that, but the the news it, when it came out, it was shocking. Uh, it, To almost everyone, I think, uh, not just people in the political uh, arena, but just for commoners as well. Yeah. I mean, the Me Too movement here in South Korea, I think a lot of people say it officially started when the, the, the female prosecutor came out and did mm-hmm. an interview. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But Kim Ji-un's um, case. case was sort of the one that first gave it a big push. Right. Ai right. Jung has uh, such a good image amongst commoners, was I think one of the shocking factors, was it not? Yeah, I mean, he was very, very popular, yeah, um, and, and he had a clean image. Yeah, exactly. Specifically, <laughs> he was popular as, like, a very liberal man of the people. Very charismatic. Yeah, the sort of Bernie Sanders of Korean, yeah, po- like yeah. this very sort of liberal left-wing politician. I think a lot of people were kind of waiting in the beginning uh, to see his response. You know, he was kind of uh, quiet in the beginning, and then all of a sudden uh, they said, They admitted that, yes, it happened, but it was consensual. This was very Yeah, confusing. yeah. I mean, within, within minutes, I think, mm-hmm. of the interview, the, the office replied. And after a few hours, mm-hmm. he took to social media. So he did respond quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, Democratic, uh, the ruling Democratic Party, which he was a part of, they were quick to expel him from the party as mm-hmm. well. Um, a month later, like in April, he was indicted uh, on charges of sexual assault and also of abusing power or authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but this past week, he, uh, the, this whole West Western District Court, they said that there wasn't enough evidence to to charge him. So he was. What kind of stands out in my mind is I remember even his spouse came out uh, 
and, as and, one of the witnesses to right. testify. Yep. Uh, that was, I think, in July. That was for the fifth hearing. I think uh, a lot of uh, former aides to the former governor, mm-hmm. um, also people who, who worked with him. Testifying for him or against him? <laughs> For him, because okay. she was saying, um, you know, she, the, the former secretary, came into their bedroom at one point right, at and that 4 a.m. That was, that was big news for that week. I think uh, for, for common people like us who are not in the political industry, it was really difficult to kind of grasp what the, the spouse said because... If I found my husband's assistant walking into my bedroom and standing over us at, what, wee hours of the night, Mm -hmm. I would have actually said something like, what are you doing in here? Walk out, get out or something like that. But why would she uh, watch her do that for what she said was two to four minutes? Yeah, three to four minutes. I mean, we must, you know, make it clear that it w- this was just the wife's Hearsay. testimony. Hearsay, um, and they were at not, not the living quarters, but at a resort, um, after meeting the, the Chinese nice. ambassador couple. Okay. Um, so it wasn't their, their home or anything that she came into. Right. But yeah, I mean, they were there together. She's a personal aide. So the, the wife thought. That she came in to tell them something. Right. I mean, at 4 a.m., but still, I mean, if it's important, then it needs to be done. But um, according to the wife, she came into the room stealthily, stood there and stared at the couple for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the wife got angry because the governor didn't get mad at the secretary for coming in and, mm. and you know, invading the couple's privacy. We said uh, other people in his um, party also testified for him. Right. What were some of the opinions? They were saying that the relationship between the secretary and the the former governor, it seemed like a very casual thing. They were shocked at times because she talked back Back at the governor, Mm -hmm. so it didn't look like there was this power play going on. There were also instances where she seemed to be sort of like in a relationship with the governor of sorts. Uh, So they were a little bit worried. So obviously these are testimonies or right, so before any, the governor. Any case like this is an is a, essentially a court trying to rule on an issue of consent. That's what it exactly. comes down to. It's not whether this happened, it's who allowed it, who agreed right. that it was going right, to happen. Right. Let's go ahead and see what ordinary citizens had to say about this issue. We have uh, Kang Jae-un who went out to the streets and talked to a few people. Here's what people have to say about former Governor Ahn Yi-jung's acquittal. I read the first trial result of Ahn Yi-jung in the news, and several aspects of the ruling were hard for me to swallow. The claim that the victim was not in a dissociating state, or the part that said it has not been demonstrated that the defendant exerted force, was unacceptable. This just shows that the court places the entire burden of proof on the victim for sexual violence cases. Their judgment has completely overturned what the Me Too movement was trying to accomplish, and that makes me angry. It's hard to pick a side to this case because, in my opinion, Kim was flirting with An to some extent. That does not mean what An did was right, but neither can I say Kim is innocent. These days, I think the definition of sexual misconduct is becoming ambiguous. My words and actions can sometimes be taken as sexual violence for women, so I'm being careful not to make mistakes. Ani Jong, where Bujenji Yegande, Mutun, Chongwanga, 
Considering all the circumstances and the messages that were exchanged between the two, I think Kim clearly expressed her discomfort, and I'm sure all women will notice that. It's hard for me to understand how someone can say Kim flirted with her boss with those evidences. This case was a well-known one, and the victim actually appeared on national television to ask for help. If this is what happens to a victim of the most high-profile Me Too case, no one would dare to speak out about their Me Too stories in the future. Sexual assault out of force happens in situations where the victim has been in a sexually exploitative relationship for a long period of time, or the perpetrator is at a position capable of exerting a huge amount of power against the victim. So it could be hard for the victim to even know what's going on. And because of that, it's hard for them to properly say no to the perpetrator's demands. Therefore, assuming her actions were out of consent just shows that our justice system does not understand what sexual coercion out of power actually is. The court must look at this case in a different light. Okay, so obviously you could hear from the background noise that this is in front of uh, a protest that was held earlier this week. Uh, this is in front of Mapo District Courthouse. And the last uh, voice you heard was lawmaker Shin Ji-ye from the Green Party. Uh, a lot of them have very... I'd like to say vocal opinions about this topic, obviously. Strong opinions. Mm -hmm, Very strong opinions. I think the Ministry of Gender Equality and Family, they came out and said that they will stick with the former secretary, Mm -hmm. Kim Ji-un, until the very end because they they call this uh, a very narrow-minded ruling that doesn't take into account the complexities of the case. Um, And it's just a real setback for human rights because it it disregards the victims, the silent victims out there of sexual assault. what these people are saying um but i think you know we need to take into account that by law for for all this for judicial reasons they don't have enough evidence to to convict the former governor which is why they ruled non not guilty right i mean well a case being thrown out because there's not enough evidence it's mm-hmm. wor- her word against his yeah, is what yeah, they're says, saying and then says, everything yeah. else is circumstantial evidence and most of it is actually in his favor it is it is i, I think the prosecutors are going to come out with more evidence over the next few weeks mm-hmm. i think there is uh, another series of texts um sent between the former governor and the former right. secretary as well uh, which shows that he he was a very authoritative yeah. authoritative very very blunt short text um, telling her to do menial tasks like getting him cigarettes and Mm -hmm. whatnot um you know you're saying you know you need to reply to my text quickly stuff like that yeah i I guess the problem is in any in any incident like this whether in this case you know whichever side is correct regardless in any incident like this it's very very difficult for anyone to ever prove with hard evidence those power dynamics you know like like you can easily be in a position where someone over you has power over you and you feel like you're forced to do things and there's no way to ever prove that that mm. was the case whether that's true here or not is 
is entirely up for debate. But it's definitely true that one of the big problems of the Me Too movement around the world is that often those power dynamics are impossible to prove in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you're in a position where you have the same um, role, but obviously she's supposed to be his secretary, mm-hmm. his aide, and he's supposed to be in the senior position, right? Yeah. And I think uh, foreigners were shocked um, because there's this cultural thing. Like, it's not just a gender issue. In the office, there is definitely a huge yeah. power d i s difference between the boss and the employee and then men and women there is still a big difference too yeah i guess so (laughs) (laughs) someone doesn't want to admit it (laughs) so i mean obviously there's a a big difference between uh what koreans probably view in this case versus uh i guess from a foreigner's point of view i mean not just foreigners and koreans i think koreans are divided as well they say this wasn't just an impressionable young student we're talking Mm -hmm. about this is a full-grown woman why didn't she walk Walk away from it in the first place. Is what, uh, but, yeah. At the same time, when you're when your boss and potentially the person who's abusing you is like a hero to thousands of people, yeah. you know, like this is this is for a lot of people, this is a dream job. It's very difficult to think to to really believe yourself that if you go public or you walk away, or whatever, that people are really going to believe you because yeah. his image was so so so. the opposite of all of these things that even when the accusations first came out it took days for people to really realize that this was that this was serious stuff yeah, i had people around me who were shocked and um like you said he's a presidential hopeful but they they're kind of like um very i don't know something in their eyes he he was something very special something that they were looking forward to i guess yeah even after the ruling he didn't admit to anything he didn't disprove anything he just said i'm just very sorry for disappointing the people yeah i yeah. never really came out with any answers well we'll be looking forward to what happens in the in the next few weeks uh it should be a quite an exciting topic especially with the me too movement All right, we're back with Dive in Korea. Uh, We have guests Jim Bully and Joanne Jung still in the studio with us. So what's our next topic? We're talking about taxis. Specifically, (laughs) on Dive in Korea, we love a story about people with impairments having more opportunities, more equality. So today we're talking about Seoul's new hearing-impaired taxi drivers. I'm so glad it's something more positive because with all the negative talk about taxis these days, that could be a different day for you guys. Yeah, no, this uh, is definitely a good good story. So in Korea, people with hearing impairments can get driving licenses as long as Mm -hmm. they can hear sounds louder than 55 decibels, so sirens, car Mm -hmm. horns, you know, emergency um, audio signals. That's the law. But when it comes to taxi drivers, I mean, it's never been a law before, but It's, it's quite a big impairment in that particular industry if you can't talk to or hear um, your passengers or that kind of thing. Now, the Seoul city government, with the help of a local startup, has found a way to get around that. Hmm. Previously, though, if you uh, were to get into a taxi with an, a hearing-impaired taxi driver, how would they communicate with each other? Well, some of the articles, they, they did an interview with some of the taxi drivers, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, they write it down, they give right. the customer a notepad mm-hmm. and say, where are you going? And so... I guess to the general public, this is perfectly fine for me, for example, but uh, for, for some, some people, people yeah, it's, it's not so okay. They may walk out or they may not want to get in that cab. Right. And again, it just comes from like a lot of these issues from like a lack of understanding, mm-hmm. you know, like, like just like a level of ignorance that makes you think, hang on, is it as safe to be driven by somebody who can't hear what's going on? Actually, they can hear what's going on. Otherwise, they wouldn't be allowed to drive. That's well, the law. They just law. may think that it's inconvenient, which is still quite unfair. Yeah, exactly. Now, on Monday this week, two hearing-impaired drivers started ferrying passengers around Seoul using a special app Mm -hmm. that allows them to communicate more easily. 
And I mean, this was tested in Gyeongsang province, I think, in yeah. Gyeongju. Mm-hmm. So Gyeongju Ilho is the first taxi that had this particular app installed. Right. And the interesting thing was that this was developed by not just a, a regular company, right? Right. So this was developed by a startup, but a startup hmm. led by university students. <laughs> um, and we're seeing this. We reported a few weeks ago about an, an app to help um, Yemeni asylum seekers in Jejudo. These are all university-led startups mm. who are developing these apps, who are looking at social problems, perhaps more than a lot of traditional companies yeah. do um, while they're in university. So this app is called um, the Koyohan. Koyohan Taxi, Silent mm. Taxi. Right. Uh, and the startup that created it is called Coactus. They're university students. And basically what it is is you have an iPad in the back mm-hmm. and an iPad in the front and that acts as like a communication system yeah Mm. and so uh, apparently it's not just uh, originally they did try something like this i remember in the past where they would write something on the pad and it would be uh accessed in the front but it's not just uh, done by a written um system right yeah yeah so you've got two two uh tablet PCs Mm -hmm. so as soon as the passenger gets in like they do with their smartphone they just tap it in it's just easy and simple Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no giving and taking of notepads and writing involved I mean, I guess uh, companies, it would be great if they were to take part in this kind of stuff, but they don't think it's profitable enough to uh, work on projects like this for, for, you know, a smaller community of people. Whereas college students obviously yeah. find it's a worthy cause. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe that is why we see so much college students, especially while they're still in college, are less interested in mm. making or less concerned about making I mean, a profit. profit. Yeah. Right? They're thinking about. And, and I think also increasingly the way that the Korean market is changing, just like it has in a lot of other countries is that a, a, a good social project like that is a launch pad to something bigger. You know, right. if you're the college kids that made this app and then you graduate college, you're getting offered a job at all the table and stuff because you're now <laughs> famous as a really good innovator of a startup. But this kind of technology can obviously lead to much bigger uh, technology as well and it can be used in other fields. Yeah, exactly, it yeah. can be. And it's very promising that a lot of universities these days, they have start-up clubs or mm-hmm. 창업 동아리. Right. So they can come up with as many ideas and projects as possible mm-hmm. while they're still studying. Back to the story, though, what was the reaction from the taxi drivers who actually used this um, system? The taxi <sighs> drivers, I mean, they, they talked to these, these students, talked to a number of taxi drivers mm-hmm. or aspiring taxi drivers mm-hmm. even who were hearing impaired. And they talked about how difficult it would be, how a, somebody would get in, they'd pass them a notepad and they'd just get out again. Right. You know, and that's obviously, we know already that taxi driving in Seoul is an incredibly difficult industry. Mm-hmm. They don't earn that much money. They work very long, very tiring hours and are super competitive. Mm-hmm. And the more and more um, ride sharing companies that find a way to sneak in and stuff, the more squeezed the taxi lobby is for better or worse. Um, and so it's a very, very difficult industry. They had really struggled with those problems. Um, there haven't been that many testimonials in the stories that I've read about the result, but it, but it definitely makes life a lot easier. There aren't many taxis out there yeah, right. trialing this as of yet. The companies actually don't really accept hearing impaired drivers. They usually say it's just too difficult to work with. Yeah, them in yeah. Some so other finding way. a job in the first place is is very very mm. difficult. Uh, hopefully, we can see uh, some better reactions from this uh, and lots of lots more projects like this coming from not just students but uh, public companies as well. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of public companies, we gave we give a lot of credit to the company that made it. It is also worth mentioning that there is a taxi company in Seoul, one taxi company mm. who was willing to give it a go and hire, you know, these hearing impaired drivers. So they're obviously making a big difference and hopefully Great. other companies More will follow their... Great, power to them and yeah. follow suit. Yeah.
All right. Uh, along with that, we have actually probably our biggest news. When I woke up this morning, all the entire news was filled with um, uh, topics about... Oh, actually, yes, we we're all clip, very we? excited for We've the Asian the, Games, but we need some robo reading. Sure, sure, sure. Let's go and check out that clip. I ran a private taxi business and we employed a hearing-impaired driver in the past. But we faced various problems and the driver ended up quitting the job. I know that we should do our best to give everyone a fair chance, but driving requires you to use all your senses, so I'm not entirely convinced that this is a good idea. Also, I don't think it's fair to customers. They are paying for the taxi service, but they also have to be understanding of a situation which may be less safe than usual. I think we need to put a sign on the outside door or something to let customers know in advance. I remember reading a news article about a hearing impaired bus driver in Japan and wondering when something like that would become a reality here in Korea. This is great news for the deaf community. I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way, but this is a job where even those without disabilities have to be extremely careful. And sound is equally as important as sight when behind the wheel. Being able to hear if there's anything wrong with the vehicle itself. Hear other cars, pedestrians, and anything outside the vehicle. A driver needs to be able to communicate with other cars on the road, not just the customer in the car. I'm going to be honest. I get a bit worried sometimes when I see elderly taxi drivers who clearly have trouble hearing but don't admit it. For those of us who wish to but are unable to give to the disabled community in some way by, for example, doing volunteer work, I think this is a great way for us to cheer the community on. These students are amazing and did a wonderful job of turning an idea into a reality. I hope more companies come up with innovative ideas like this in the future. All right, so those were some of the thoughts of people online. Uh, I, I, I didn't think about this, but I guess some people kind of feel a little bit of fear getting into these cabs uh, for their safety. They yeah. do, but I think, I think that perhaps people don't realize that these aren't people that are entirely deaf. You know, that these, or inefficient. Yeah, these are people who are legally allowed to drive. And right. that means they've passed certain tests, tests which we all took when we got our driving license in Korea, and that they are, you know, that they're, they have enough hearing to do so. So the, the, the commenter who was talking about how, you know, they, it's equally important to be able to hear outside the car as in the car, mm. like, they can. Right. Yeah. These people aren't, aren't entirely deaf. They are able to do so. So I, I think there's just a lack of understanding. I think it's a little bit more dangerous when someone's using their phone while driving in the car than oh, uh, yeah. getting into yeah. one yeah. of these yeah. cars. Exactly. <laughs> and the, there, was a, there was one commenter who compared it to elderly people who yeah. look like they can't hear. It's actually, it's actually probably, you know, the people who have hearing impairments were tested with their hearing impairments. It's not right. that they've grown older and their hearing has grown worse as they got older. They, they've taken the test and been judged to have the correct level of hearing. And I do want to remind everyone that you are required to take a test or a driver's test over again, along with the hearing and see a uh, sight tests and whatnot. Uh, I, I believe every several years. So uh, even if you're past 60 or 70, I mean, unless you've had an incident very recently, a lot of them are very capable of driving. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Well, as I was saying earlier, I didn't realize that there was a robo clip, but we have the Asian Games, which we do. technically <laughs> has officially started. 
Well, the Asian, the 18th Asian Games officially kicks off tomorrow in Jakarta and Palembang, but it has literally kicked off in some sports already. So with some of your team sports, football, netball, handball, <laughs> basketball, netball's not in the Asian Games, not netball, basketball, those have already started because, you know, you have these huge round-robin tournaments. Right. Yeah. But officially the Games start tomorrow in the Indonesian cities of Jakarta and Palembang. The, the Asian Games, the ASEAN, is the second largest multi-sport international event after the Olympics in the world. But actually, in terms of sports, it's bigger. So the Olympics has about 28 sports, 27, 26, sometimes a few more, sometimes a few less. The Asian Games this year has 40 sports, Mm -hmm. which is a huge number. And unsurprisingly, I'm willing to bet some of them you haven't heard of. Well, and it's uh, it's common knowledge that the summer games are much more popular than the winter games. And financially, it's uh, more... Well, for for the country that's hosting, it's usually more financially uh, favorable as well. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out. I love we haven't really heard that much about this, but Indonesia was not the host of the 2018 Originally, Asian Games, right? right? It was going to be in Vietnam, and the uh, putting up the infrastructure and sorting it out proved to be too expensive. So Indonesia kind of took it over at what in in sort of Asia terms was the last minute, only mm-hmm. a few years ago, uh, and then sort of pulled it all together from there. So it's quite a feat, quite an impressive feat. There's going to be millions of tickets sold. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of fans from all around Asia and outside Asia. The Asian Games right. draws a lot of attention, especially from fans of specific sports. The only complaints I've heard so far is about the heat. <laughs> yeah, it is hot. Oh, but I think oh. South Korea is pretty prepared for that this time well, around. We've been, we've been under the heat for months. But yeah, they were talking about how conditions obviously mm-hmm. uh, are can be unfavorable for some people because it's so hot there. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So it is true that in Korea we've had a little, <laughs> little prep little session. Prep, yeah. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of Korean athletes. I believe that there are 779 Korean athletes competing for South Korea. But if you include the ones who are competing in joint teams with North Korea, there's 807 South Mm. Korean athletes at the Games. That's a lot of people. And they're competing in... All but one. All of but the one. We just couldn't find ourselves a bridge player. But apart from that, <laughs> oh, John, they didn't ask sport. me. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, actually, they're 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 competing in more ga- uh, games than ever before, I believe. So, uh, in terms of events, so we took there's 40 sports. Within those, you have different disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, within those 40 sports, everything that happens in a swimming pool just counts as one. So right. there's loads of different things. Then you have men's and women's different lengths, different speeds. There are 462 different events at this games, which is an absolutely huge. Huge number. So the, technically, doesn't that mean there's more possibilities of getting more medals? Absolutely. There are there are four thousand and sixty six medals <laughs> on the line. Yeah, there's loads, and Korea's aiming to take a lot of them. Um, the Korea's aiming for second place. It's had second place for since 1998, mm-hmm. and it's not planning on giving it up soon. But might be a bit more of an uphill battle this year because Japan is getting a lot stronger in a lot of these sports. Right. And of course, first place is always China. First place is always China. (laughs) We're not optimistic enough to think that's going to change. But Korea is hoping for 65 gold, 71 silver and 72 bronze medals, which is a huge medal haul. But they were saying that it's less goals than... Golds than we usually aim for. Well, so if we take 2014, when the games were in Incheon, Mm -hmm. Korea was aiming for 79 gold, 71 silver, and 84 bronze. So this year's target is lower, but Japan is far, far more competitive. Mm. It's a a much, much harder 
harder fight. Um, also, if you look at the sort of list of Korean athletes, a lot of these guys are old favorites. You know, they're back. They've done it before. They, they're the current reigning champions. We're back again. And in many ways, that's a good thing. But it also means that there's, you know, there's a lot of unknowns with younger stars who are coming up through other countries, especially from Japan. Amongst all the preliminary games uh, that have been going on so far, I think the biggest by far, uh, I don't know what term you use. Is it soccer or football? <laughs> I, I use soccer. <laughs> I, I still say football. But um, that was the one that kind of like uh, stood out the most, I think, for Koreans. Well, yeah. I mean, the men's team beat Bahrain 6-0, no. which wow. is a pretty good start to their campaign. You the think? women's team also won, beating um, Taiwan or Chinese Taipei, as mm-hmm. it's always called in sports, um, 2-1. In fact, Korea has won every one of their preliminary games wow. so far, I think. Yep. They have beaten Pakistan in men's handball, beaten North Korea in women's handball, beaten Indonesia in men's basketball, beaten... Um, India in women's handball, beaten Mongolia in men's basketball again, and even the inter-Korean team, which, you know, we didn't have that much success with the inter-Korean team at the Winter Games. The inter-Korean women's basketball team beat the hosts, Indonesia, mm. 108-40, to 40, which is a pretty bad day at the office for the Indonesian what women's happened basketball there? team. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're off to a flying start. Interestingly, the football game against Bahrain, 6-0... Son Heung-min didn't leave the bench. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Son Heung-min is probably the most famous athlete at the entire game from any country, Brilliant. which is rare. You know, it's not often that Korea comes to the party with the biggest global star. But Son Heung-min is so big that he is probably the biggest star of the entire games. They didn't even need him. Mm. Didn't even he's the captain. Didn't even need him against Bahrain. Just, so he just sits there for sport. now. <laughs> Let's talk about some of these. Uh, you were saying some big stars, some big names that uh, stand out for us uh, coming from reigning from Korea. Yeah, I mean, Song Min is obviously the biggest, and he doesn't need that much introduction. My favorite is Nam Hyun Hee, the uh, the fencer. Mm-hmm. Now Nam Hyun Hee at these Asian Games is very likely to win her one hundredth international medal. Really? Now that's not that's not like you know that doesn't include medals from like the local Japan Taiwan Korea meetup. These are World Cup Olympic and Asian Games medals. Wow. She's she's going for one hundred. And this is an athlete who has spent her whole career being told she's too short to fence, too married to fence, mm. too pregnant to fence. Mm. All these things. She's gonna a hundred is an incredible achievement. Fight so, against all of those. Yeah, yeah. she's she's on ninety eight now. I mean, judging by the fact that in her twenty year career she has a hundred, it seems pretty mm. compelling that she's going to get two more. So yeah, Namjani is likely to take two more and get the 100. I'm excited for the climber. Yes, Kim Jae-in. Now, climbing is new to the Asian Games, which is good because Korea conveniently has Asia's best climber and one of the world's best climbers. Kim Jae-in, who you may have seen climb the Lotte World Tower Mm -hmm. last year, she is the three-time world number one female climber, the Asian best female climber. Climbing, this is the first match being completed at the ASEAN. It seems pretty likely that she's going to walk away with gold. Another gentleman that's quite in the spotlight is the shooter. Uh, I and believe Zong he's Wu. always won, but Jin only Jin group Wu? events? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jin. yeah. Jin. Mm-hmm. He, um, he has, I mean, he's won individual events at the Olympics again and again and again. He's got a very full medal cabinet, but at the Asian Games, he's never won an individual medal. Mm. This year, he's hoping to win them all because, you know, this may well be his last chance. He's getting near retirement age. Um, but you're right. At the previous Asian Games, he has won a lot of group medals so this is his first time aiming for an individual yeah Mm. what event personally are you looking forward to watching during the asian games i'm looking forward to look watching the baseball because leading up to the asian games there was a lot of talk about the the players that were selected for the team Mm -hmm. hopefully they do well yeah yeah (laughs) i mean obviously we're all looking forward to watching the bridge i'm going to be glued to that (laughs) 
Um, Bridge, by the way, has the oldest player, E. Uh, Hung Fong of Malaysia, is mm-hmm. 81 years old. <gasps> and she'll be hitting the tables to play some bridge. I assume it's played on a table. Yeah. I, I don't know that much about bridge. Sorry. I'm looking forward to a lot of the new sports. Paragliding, jet skiing. You know, these are all new this year. And it'll be interesting to see how those go. Okay. Well, uh, well I want to go ahead and go back to our clips and see what our uh, listeners think. To the women's handball team, congratulations on your latest win. I really hope people will start taking an interest in the sport and in the league during the season, not just during the Olympics or during the Asian Games. A unified handball team? I watched a game and it looked like our team was significantly better than the North. I'm not on board with the idea because creating a joint team may reduce the overall team performance. This isn't politics. This is sports. Please support the women's soccer team even after the Asian Games are over. Sorry if I sound too serious. But I think the South Korean team shouldn't let their World Cup win against Germany get to their heads too much. The same thing can happen to us. There's always the possibility that a country that is ranked significantly lower than us will beat us. Of course, they shouldn't lose their confidence. But they should stay on their toes and do their very best in every game. So many Doosan Bears players are getting sporting injuries. I hope they take this opportunity to get some rest and do well during the rest of the season. To all our players selected to represent our country in the Asian Games. Please do your best but don't injure yourself. Fighting. Anticlimactic fighting the at the least end. dramatic <laughs> fighting you've ever heard. Of. Because it's from a robo of uh, <laughs> uh, readers. All right, I stand corrected. That's those are our online comments. So uh, you know, we heard some encouraging thoughts, and also just uh, just try to be careful. Don't get yeah. injured. I like that commenter who said. Please care about women's soccer after the games. Even after the yeah. games, yes. And that's true. Please care about all these athletes. Korea has some incredible athletes. And the Asian Games tends to get a little bit more overlooked, mm-hmm. partly because there's just so much going on that it's hard to focus on one thing. Well, but at the same time, for people like me, who I'm not that interested in sports, but usually you just hear uh, and or see about the highlighted sports. But during the Asian Games and the Olympics, you get to see some of the, the interesting sports that you never hear about. And also you see athletes that you've never heard or seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's so many sports at the Asian Games that uh, most of the world hasn't heard of because they often come from a particular Asian country. Mm-hmm. And yet Korea fields teams in all of them with the exception of bridge. I can't mention that enough because it just <laughs> amuses me. they didn't call that that's me. A sport. Yeah. Now, um, Sipak Takraw, which is an, a Southeast Asian game. It's sort of like volleyball, but played with the Sounds feet. Sounds like chokku. Yeah, it is very similar, but it's played with a small rattan mm. ball, like almost a straw ball. Um, it's been part of the Asian Games since 1990. It's worth mentioning this year because the Korean women's teams are actually have a very good chance of winning. Now, really? normally, it's <laughs> always a team from, you know, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Laos. These are the countries that dominate this sport, but the Korean women's team are currently one of the world's top teams in Sipak Takraw. It's interesting because just 20 years ago, you would only see Koreans, uh, you know, I guess in, in games like, um, what is it? Uh, certain specific fields 
that mm-hmm. they really uh, were very good at. Right, and shooting things with, shoot. with guns or arrows. That's always uh, been arrows, Korea's... Right. Yeah. Handball. Handball, has been yeah. a big event. Uh, yeah. And table tennis. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, right. yes. Yeah. And I think that was pr- probably it. And before you know it, then, they're excelling in swimming and gymnastics and all these other sports. What's another interesting sport? <laughs> An interesting sport that's returning to the Games, it's happened once before in 2010, but it's coming back this year, is roller skating. Now, I don't know who the Korean athlete is, but I wonder if we might have a good chance because it's essentially speed skating, but on Mm -hmm. inline skates. Now, Korea's a great speed skating nation. Can they transfer it to wheels? I guess we'll see. Yeah, I didn't even know roller skating was a sport (laughs) in the games. But roller skating was really popular back in the 70s and 80s, so I guess Mm -hmm. we'll have Koreans who are... Well, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) yeah, where I go down by, um, where I walk the dog down by Anyangchan, there is so many people roller skating around. They've got a little roller skating track Mm -hmm. and, you know, old retired people like to go there and get in there 50 laps every day. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm not very good at it. I sound... Very bad compared to these fifty-year-old roller skaters. Well, that's why you're here and not on your way to Jakarta to join in. I think with the heat, I think a lot of people will be uh, watching the water sports as well. Like, yeah. Now the the, the big addition this year is jet skiing. Ooh, um, fancy! Again, Korea has a competitor. I've, we know very little about jet skiing because it's it, like skateboarding or those sports. It's one of those things that's had that's had sort of an underground movement before it suddenly jumped into the Olympics or the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Snowboarding's the same kind of thing. So jet skiing this year. Now that's got to be exciting to watch. Yeah, right. it's very popular. You yeah. know, Kapyong, the Kapyong area, you yeah. see a Everywhere. lot of people <laughs> jet skiing. Yeah, the number of people you see on jet skis around Korea these days, we've got to be pretty good, I would they, think. They had a gentleman, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's in a different... Uh, genre within jet skiing, but he's like in his 50s. He's a mm. Korean gentleman who does all these acrobatics uh, in, on yeah, his jet yeah. skis. So interesting watching him and at his age too. Yeah. Now, one last one to mention because we're running out of time, but you mentioned acrobatics. Paragliding, again, a new addition this sport, as well as a cross-country race, which is interesting enough as it is. There's also a paragliding aerobatics contest. Crazy. So that's, I mean... I can't even imagine what that looks like, but that's definitely one to watch for just for the spectacle. This is going into e-sports as far as I'm concerned. It's like extreme sports, isn't it? E-sports? E-sports, so electronic sports. Yeah, that's that's an exhibition event. In 2022, we'll have, you know, all of your normal computer games, which is Mm -hmm. definitely something that Korea is going to have locked down. For our listeners who want to pay attention and watch the Asian Games, there are some stuff you can watch on television today. Yep, so men's handball kicks off in about an hour at 11am, or hands off, I suppose. (laughs) Women's basketball at 12 noon, and then there's another football game at 9pm today exciting i cannot wait uh it all takes place starting tomorrow i can't wait to see the opening ceremonies that should be exciting thank you very much jim and joanne thank Thank you. you all right